ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. So how much, I mean, what do you... Uh, as much as you want, as little as you want on okay. each on each of them. You're listening but. to the voice of Emma John as she tries to work out how to answer <laughs> another set of questions. one of our question and answer sessions. Uh, Emma's book is Wayfaring Stranger, A Musical Journey in the American South. And the reason why I mentioned, uh, I was just saying to, to Emma, and we say in the other, part, the other podcast, which has Emma in it, in which she talks about uh, this book, if you're going to order it, make sure that it's Wayfaring Stranger by Emma John, not Wayfaring Stranger by James Lee Burke, who is one of my favorite American writers. He came up with the title In the Electric Mist with Confederate Dead, which I think is just the greatest title, and The Tin Roof Blowdown, which is also a great title. Anyway, just, Good. just yes. mentioning those. Yeah. Uh, don't order them. Well, you can order them, <laughs> but Emma is not here to promote She's the work. She's not here to. I wonder if Amazon will now do like a package. Yes. You, <laughs> you like you Emma like... John? Maybe you'll like In the Electric Mist. In the Electric Mist with with, with the Confederate dead, which not... apparently has to be mentioned every time. Yes, it does. Oh, does it? Oh, yes. right. Okay. It does. He's very entertaining. Uh, so Emma's here, and she, here she is with question number one: the last book you really, really enjoyed. It was a very, very short book called The Living Mountain by Nan Shepherd, And it is a travel book. Well, no, it's a nature book um, that was written. I think it was, it was first published in 1977. Nan Shepherd um, is this amazing nature writer who kind of fell out of the public eye. In fact, I'm not sure she was ever in it. I don't and, know. <laughs> and um, I think Robert McFarlane may have helped get this particular book republished. It's a very slim volume. And I came across it while I was uh, driving the north coast of Scotland uh, with a friend of mine. And I was looking, I was so, so completely blown away by by the beauty of it. I wanted to read some nature writing about Scotland. Now, when I found this one, I did slightly purchase it because it was quite short. Uh, it was not about the North Coast, it's about the Cairngorms, but she's the most extraordinary writer and, and again has, as well as like beautiful descriptions uh, and, and her way of looking at, at the world around her is completely unique. Also, she writes about it in an incredibly personal way. She has such a connection with the landscape. She had always lived there. And um, it really just helped me understand more about Scotland. What's it called again? It's called The Living Mountain. By? Nan Shepherd. Okay. So I'm wondering whether this is going to be the answer to your next question, which is, do you have a favourite travel writer? Uh, I do, but it's it's not actually Nan Shepherd. My favourite travel writer is Mark Twain. Oh, okay. Um, I think... 
he is well I'm gonna I was about to say I think he's a genius everybody thinks he's a genius because he is uh but I I've always loved his writing and then having spent a lot of time in America I read Roughing It which is uh the the book he wrote about um when he went west you know to the gold rush and it's hilarious I mean, he is just hilarious. Uh, I, I am the kind of person who finds Dickens hilarious, so I don't know whether you need to know that before you start reading it. But I think, it, you know, his wit is, it has tr- it has travelled through the ages. How can you write something about not only a place that none of us have seen, because most of those towns are ghost towns now, but a time and a place you've never seen, and it and it's still, you still feel like you're um, totally in on the joke. Wow. That's very clever. Do you have a favourite music writer? I don't have a favourite music writer in terms of, you know, somebody who, oh, they write about music and, you know, books about music. But a novelist who write, who is, I think, the best describer of music I have ever read is Richard Powers, who wrote The Overstory, which was uh, oh, right. shortlisted okay. for the Booker yeah, yeah. last year. A beautiful, beautiful book um, about trees. Uh, but he has also written some incredible novels uh, involving music, including Orfeo and The Time of Our Singing. And um, I mean, his writing is it is beyond compare. It's it, he's I, he's one of the great American novelists, and he can write about music and describe it in a way that is so on point. It's so perfect that even as a musician who's somebody, you know, quite critical of the way people write about music, if you really really know it and you know the insides and out of it. He writes about it, and I think I've never heard anybody describe a piece of music so perfectly as you just did there. I'm going to be really intrigued by your answer to this because um, I I enjoy your writing in The Guardian and, as I say, a big fan of following on. Um, Do you have a favourite sports writer? (laughs) I I was really hoping that you would let me say more than one. Oh, (laughs) myself. Of course, myself. No, uh, I was going to say, please, can I pick more than one because otherwise I'm going to lose friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, um, No, I really think that... I think that The Guardian is having a golden age of sports writing. I really do. I'm so proud to just swim in the shallow end of that pool. Uh, they are incredible. Barney Ronne, Andy Bull, Sean Ingle, Tanya Aldred, many more. But, I mean, they... I am so proud of them. I think they will stack up. They could be, uh, we were saying, I was saying this to somebody the other day, like when it comes to, if you were picking an all-time 11 of um, sports writers, there's, I think there's quite a number of the current. Marina Hyde as well, who occasionally writes about sport, but oh my goodness, her columns. Goodness me. And the other one person, not at The Guardian, who I would really want to mention is Jonathan Liu at The Independent. Oh, he's superb. Stone cold genius. Yes, correct. I met Marina Hyde the other day. Oh, yes. I did, I was doing a book event uh, the Queen's Park Book Festival, and uh, and she was there. And I just wanted to go up because she'd written a takedown of Chris Williamson, which was so extraordinarily brilliant. Every every sentence was amazing. Every word was perfectly chosen. Uh, and, and she was terrific. And she was absolutely fascinating. She did a panel with Matthew Dancona. Anyway, it was very interesting. Anyway, she, it turned out she was a big fan, I imagine, of the film podcast. But if I... Uh, I should have told her about yeah, this Yeah, of course. Podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's a massive fan of this as, as well. well. I'm sure, yeah. Hi, Marina. <laughs> yes, hello. Um, is there a book that you would like to step inside of? Oh, yes. This was the easiest one on the list for me. It's usually the most difficult, actually. People struggle with this. Oh, mm. no. Brideshead Revisited. I am... Evelyn Moore is my favourite novelist, uh, and I am obsessed with the culture, the age, the glamour, the 
politics, the seedy side of the 20s and 30s. And everything about, I love the Jeeves and Worcester books as well, and I would love to step inside them. And that would be much, actually probably much more fun and jaunty than stepping inside Brideshead. But Brideshead is a world that is so perfectly created and that I so yearn to see and be in, that I actually did try. I went on a transatlantic crossing on the Queen Mary 2 between Southampton and New York, just so that for eight days I could pretend that I was on that there's a transatlantic crossing that happens in Brideshead. Do you, oh, oh, right. Did you have to like dress like you're in I the dre- 20s? I, 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 I didn't have to, but I sure <laughs> you did. did. I took uh, <laughs> at least three different outfits for every day. Um, I got to, uh, I, I played bridge in the morning and I got to uh, arrive late at the bridge one morning and say, so sorry I'm late. I couldn't find my pearls. <laughs> and I felt, yes, I'm here. And I ballroom danced every evening. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, how long, this is the question, by the way, that we always ask people to is a sort of litmus test for honesty. <laughs> OK, so how long do you give a book? Do you always finish it? I used to. I used to be a complete completist. Uh, I it was very annoying, actually. Um, I couldn't not finish something. Mm. And people used to say to me, why are you just struggling with it? Well, you know, I, it was it was an achievement based thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think since Netflix was invented, I have really changed my ways because now there's so much of everything especially TV, uh, that I am much harsher with my time. So how long, I mean, is there a cut-off point where you go, oh, I'm going to keep reading till I 10 pages, on, 20 pages? I would say I give up on novels a lot faster than I give up on non-fiction. Because uh-huh. I, I always feel like with non-fiction that I can learn something. So I will I will persevere with non-fiction for a very long time. And I, I probably actually don't give up on non-fiction um, novels I'm much quicker I just because to me novels are should be entertainment for me um I know other people don't read them in that way you know and they are art and sometimes art is a struggle but I I don't want to struggle so if I'm not enjoying it after the first two chapters two chapters good for you what books stand out from your childhood uh, there is a series by Lloyd Alexander called the Chronicles of Prydain and People, Chronicles of what? Chronicles of Prydain, P-R-Y-D-A-I-N. Okay. It's all very Welsh myth. Um, people will not probably recognise either the author or the title, but they might remember a Disney film called The Black Cauldron. Oh, right, yeah. Yes. yeah. And The Black Cauldron is actually based on the, I think it's the second one of the five books of the Chronicle of Prydain. There's, uh, the hero is a young pig keeper called Taran, who um, turns out to go on a quest and uh, become a lot more important than a pig keeper and a princess called Ilonwi. Uh, and I always decide I when I was when I was a teenager I always thought if I have kids they're going to be called Taran and Ilonwi and my sister said to me you are an idiot. <laughs> That's what sisters say, though. That's the kind of nonsense they come up with. Um, yeah, and then the other one, um, so that was, I would say that was when I was a, a smaller child. Um, and then by the time I got to my teens, the book that I was obsessed with uh, was Stephen Fry's The Liar. Oh, I love that book. Yes, 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 yes. I was such a big Fran Laurie mm. fan. Um, I still am. I can still, I mean, for other people, other people can quote Monty Python. I can quote every Fry and Laurie sketch. Mm. And uh, so as soon as that book came out, I was primed for that. And then, it, you know, it turned out it, it was not only brilliant and witty, uh, but it, it resonated very much with me. Not that I was a liar. I wasn't a no. liar. I can remember where I was when I was reading that book. It was fabulous. Um, your favourite auto autobiography is, um, I think it's Yes by Amy Poehler. 
Uh, And I say that not because I think it's a brilliant example of autobiography. Actually, I think it might be because she doesn't talk about herself that much at all. Uh, I just found it, it was almost like a self-help book. Uh, The way she spoke, the way she writes about um, being creative and uh, how to handle yourself in a creative world where... You're comparing yourself to other people all the time. This is very much something I feel and know about, even with even with my fiddle, not not you know, not just my writing. Uh, and she, there's a line in it that comes to me again and again when I get myself tied up in knots. And she says, "Doing um, no," she says, "Talking about the thing is not the thing. Doing the thing is the thing." And it's a really good way to push yourself out of the kind of, oh, I, I want to be here. I want to be at this place. I want to achieve that, blah, blah, blah. D- stop talking about it. Do it. And I've, I've needed her to tell me that a few times. When was the last time you used a public library? Oh, I use them all the time. Um, I used a you public used library last week. You used to use them or you, I use, I, or you do use them? I yeah. do use them all the time. I work regularly at the British Library uh, because I find the reading rooms so calming and um, just a gorgeous place to work. But I will seek out a public library in ev- absolutely everywhere I travel, uh, especially, especially when I travel outside the country. Um, there are two things that I seek out, sports stadiums, because I'm a total stadium tourist, uh, and then I will also go to the public library. Uh, and a couple of my favourites are Boston Public Library and uh, the State of Victoria uh, Library, which is in Melbourne, in Australia. Okay. Um, I just love an archive. I love getting my hands on an archive. <laughs> okay. Big dome. Is that the best answer that we've is it, had? So hang on. Is, there, is this is the State of... Is that the one in Melbourne? Is that the one with the massive... Do you remember Chloe Hooper talking about the one with the massive oh, reinforced concrete dome? dome? Is that the same and one? And it has Ned Kelly's original um, helmet up there. Um, in uh, She didn't in mention that. Edition. I think I'd have gone with that rather than having a dome. it also has some of Sidney Nolan's uh, old love letters, uh, which, which was the archive I managed to get my hands on and wow. uh, spent a couple of days sifting through. Sidney Nolan... Sydney uh, is one of the Australian, Australian, <laughs> uh, Australia's probably most famous artist. He, he painted oh, the Sydney Ned Nolan. Kelly. Oh, oh Sydney Nolan. Oh, Nolan. Obviously. S- Steve Nolan. Uh, oh. <laughs> How yes. very embarrassing. That's revealing ourselves okay. to be yes. stupid. Yeah, yeah. This has got to be the first time we've had a Melbourne Public Library being mentioned twice on the podcast. It's amazing. Um, is there a hidden gem of a place where you do most of your research? I mean, you mentioned British Library. Is there a place where you tend to go to write? Is it the library again? Or? Uh, actually, I would say in the last couple of years, it's been, sorry to bang on about libraries, but it's been the Appalachian State Library in Boone. As I said, totally wow. in love with this little town of Boone that's in the mountains. And there is a... Um, uh, university in this town it's a very good university and I was sent there because it had a really good bluegrass archive and uh, I stayed there because it had really great people and two of those people are now two of my best friends and so anytime I travel back to America I just go and sit in the library do my work there just looking at Stephen Nolan art oh Stephen Nolan to start no Stephen Nolan's on five live it's a different you, you want Sydney Nolan Sydney Nolan. Stephen Nolan. He, he, <laughs> He's the presenter on the BBC. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why the paintings weren't that great. Yes. <laughs> no, clearly. Oh, okay. Let's just have oh, a look at Let's the... check out oh, some I Sydney see. Nolan. Well, oh, this, fabulous. This look is at that. what I was thinking about. He does all the ones with a horse. Great. Yeah, yeah. lots Brilliant. of... Uh, lots it's the of... Ned Kelly bucket, bucket helmet with the 
slip for the eyes. It's Sir Sidney Nolan as well. Yes. me, how ignorant is it possible to be? Clearly. We get lots of Twitter feed now. Can you believe? But you didn't know Sidney Nolan was. Is there a book that always cheers you up? Yes. Uh, it's called Have His Carcass. It's by Dorothy L. Sayers. It is, Have uh, His Carcass? It's a, it's a murder mystery. Um, it's, um, so Dorothy L. Sayers uh, wrote the Peter, Lord Peter Whimsey yes. novels, uh-huh, to give uh-huh. him his full title. Uh, I am in love with Lord Peter Whimsey, as I think uh, many women secretly are. Um, uh, and because he's just unbelievably brilliant and, you know, sexy in an aristocratic way. Okay. And uh, uh, there are three... There are three books written by Dorothy L. Sayers that chart uh, his romance and falling in love with Harriet Vane, who was the only woman who could ever really kind of be worthy of him and him of her and have his carcass is the middle one. And so it's my favourite because it's the one where the tension, the romantic tension between them really develops. She's still pushing him away and he's still pursuing her. And it's that gorgeous... Imp- I, there's also an amazing, you know, murder mystery that's going on all around them. And obviously many people would read it for that. But for me, it's this... If I was his editor, if, if I was her editor, I'd have said, mm, title. Oh, come on. Carcass. Have his carcass. I'd have that over your electric mist in the Confederate dead. Come on. Have his I mean, come on. Have his carcass. carcass. Carcass? No, you do want you want carcass in there. No, you don't. Absolutely. Not unless it's you're also, supporting Metallica. I think they spell it in a weird way. I think in the title it's spelled S-E, which I don't think is how you normally spell carcass. I think carcass is normally double S at the end. Yes, it is, and yeah. And I think in her book title she's carcass. carcass, yeah. I wow. don't know why. Well, it's com- that's very strange. It is. Intriguing. So there you go, you see, that's what you want with the title. And that, but anyway, that, that always cheers you up. Uh, yeah, yes. it does because Must I break out the carcass. Most book. optimistic yeah. carcass book ever. It really is. I just enjoy those two characters and their relationship more than any other two characters I've ever come. Did across. you ever see the old TV series about Lord Peter Whimsey? Yes, with Ian Carmichael. Was e- it? There was an Ian Carmichael one, and then there was an Edward Petheridge one, which had Harriet Walter as Harriet Vane, and, uh, Sorry, and it's I the better it. one. It's the is better it? one. Oh, okay. Matt, remember, yeah. if you're going to download yes, them, you... get the right one. Get don't, get the, yeah. don't get the James get Lee. Get the Petheridge <laughs> version and also don't get the James Lee, but well, yeah, buy yes. that one. But it's Wayfaring Stranger, which is the current book from Emma John. If you want to hear Emma talking about the Appalachian Mountains and her musical journey in the American South, that's on our companion podcast to this very entertaining Q&A. Uh, Emma, thank you very much. Thank you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, We have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.